How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm a little exhausted, to be honest. It's like 5 p.m. and work was a bit like, what? <laughs> Literally. Oh, what's um, like? <laughs> you know, what about you? What time is it? Like a little later, right? Not 9 a.m. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, 1 p.m. right now. So oh. I talked to my dad this morning. We've oh, been doing okay. like Chinese lessons, like with your dad. Twice a week. Yeah. Oh, how's so, that going? Okay, all right. Yeah, it's it's all right. Like my pronunciation is getting better. He says so. That's good. And oh. it was actually kind of funny because my aunt was there too, and she was like, because. Uh, like I thought I was going to be talking to him to do Chinese lesson, but then my aunt showed up too, and then so we just all ended up talking. But she was like, "Yeah, your dad's pronunciation is so bad. Why is he teaching you Chinese?" <laughs> she was like, "He speaks Chinese like a mainlander. You should get Chinese lessons for me. I speak Chinese like a Taiwanese person." I was like, "Oh, okay. I didn't realize." It's <laughs> so funny. She was like making fun of his pronunciation. Like he, she was like, he curls his tongue so much. It's like sure, but sure. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> should have been like, it's also a uh, bonding time with my dad. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, oh, I was like, Dad, why are you teaching me that? I should take lessons with aunties. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's, that's like funny how um, it came about during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I've because I was like practicing before right but yeah like now because if I want to go to Taiwan in the future it's like well I've really gotta step up my Chinese so they're like well you aren't doing anything so you have to study Chinese I'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) and and your dad's like uh, more free too right so yeah 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 taking advantage that's good um yeah yeah Yeah. uh Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of roots. Uh, yeah, do you want me to send you the questions so you can look oh, at them no, it's first? Oh, no, okay. Or... Okay, all right. Okay, we'll we'll all see right. how it goes. Um... Okay, so should we officially start? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I don't know, I didn't prepare a speech or anything. But uh, yeah, today we're here talking with um, Claire Lee. Uh, she is a... Uh, Korean American, uh, and we met in middle school. <laughs> so I'm going to talk with her today about what she thinks heritage means to her, and also about being Korean American, uh, living away from her family, and also writing about East Asian racism. <laughs> uh, wow, that was quite an intro. Um, was it a good intro? Okay. Yeah, I I always feel super awkward doing intros, especially with with friends. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, so that was really good, and I I know it's like really weird to call me Claire because, oh, well, I need to delve into this a bit. But okay, um, all right, we'll, we talk about that first. Then? <laughs> oh, I know I, I wasn't I wasn't going to, but I just oh, wanted okay. to mention like I know most people in this world know me by Putin, but um. I since going to Korea, I have gone by my American name, so that that's like a whole new complexity in itself. But I know you always feel like, should I like call you this right now? Um, yeah, it's, but I it, think it's, it's hard to figure out sometimes because it's like, I mean, 
like of course I always think of you as Borum, but then like I know that I don't really pronounce it the right way. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like I've always like thought of you as Borum and called you Borum, and then so calling you Claire, like it's just like I don't know. It's just like it's not like it's not you. It's just like a different layer of you, you know, which I don't feel as connected to because you started going as Claire like later on. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I remember, obviously, like, when you're a kid, bullying is brutal, Mm -hmm. so everyone would mispronounce my name, and I just never appreciated it, but then my parents sent me to Korean school during weekends, and, you know, like, they'd always say my name right, and I'd be like, oh, cool, this is my name, awesome, Um, Mm -hmm. but then when I went to, I think I told you this already, but when I went to Korea, I kind of looked at it as a new opportunity to uh, change my name not necessarily because I was ashamed of it but I thought like okay why don't I just take this opportunity which is ironic mm-hmm. since I was going to Korea but also I figured I don't want the students to know that I can speak Korean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that that's one of the reasons and then I I stuck with it but um, I still have a lot of complex feelings that aren't quite resolved um, mm-hmm. but yeah ironically I feel more connected towards it now maybe it's because like we're getting older but Mm -hmm. oh man when people used to mispronounce it I just be so ashamed of it and one of my friends I don't know if I told you this already was like we were at this meeting and everyone had to do those dreaded intros and then Mm -hmm. someone um said just like the word uh, the word the name Bo which is typically a guy's name and Mm -hmm. I by that point, I was used to it. So I was like, oh, that's annoying, but whatever. This is how you say it, blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, I cringed because it just sounded so masculine and just so gross. And I was like, what wow, the heck? Oh, thanks, man. Weird. That's super supportive. Uh, well, we're not in touch anymore, but that wasn't the reason why. But I just felt like, <laughs> wow, thanks for that appreciation of uh, different names. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <from> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, because I also made the comment recently about like accepting my middle name, because like my middle name is Chinese, right? It's like, sure, Fong. So like, and for a long time, even now, it's like I don't really know how to say it very well because you know, I my Chinese pronunciation is not good. So yeah. it has, I think, taken me a long time to like connect with that part of myself and. Just thinking back, like I remember there was one time where I like didn't know how to pronounce my name and I used to make fun of my own name when I was in middle school. Oh, no. And it just like it made me feel like, oh, it's kind of sad, <laughs> you know. Like I mean, just because like it didn't feel like part of me at all, you know. It just and I remember it because like the way you write it in um with like English letters is like C H I H hyphen F A N G. Like that's mm-hmm. how it is on my birth certificate. But I remember one time I mis I miswrote it as like I because I didn't know how to spell it even with the English characters so I remember one time I wrote it with an N so it was like chin fang and I was like oh like I have a chin fang (laughs) (laughs) I don't know like at the time like I guess I didn't really think about it you know and I didn't think it was bad but like now that I'm looking back I'm like it's kind of sad that I made fun of part of myself you know even though I didn't really think about it that way as well but I don't know I guess it's just strange how like in some ways you kind of like feel divorced from part of yourself or you like kind of make fun of it or I don't know actually 
sorry oh sorry to interrupt um oh no, no. that just that's just reminded me i would actually always if i saw like the minuscule opportunity of potentially being made fun of for my name mm-hmm. i would immediately rush to make fun of myself first so that mm-hmm. people would a think i was easygoing and b just i'd rather make fun of myself than be made fun of so maybe yeah. that's what you were doing too subconsciously I think I think it was, you know, and I think part of it is like you don't want other people to feel bad for not knowing or like, you know, mispronouncing it or something like, you know, like people that are like, oh, I love Thai food when I talk about Taiwan. It's like, you know, like obviously I'm kind of like, oh, no, that's not true. But I don't want them to feel bad for being ignorant. I just want to teach them. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's also another layer of like you want to make them feel at ease or you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sorry that I'm presenting you with like something that is strange and weird. Like, you know, let yeah. me ease into it by making fun of it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, there's definitely oh. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So shall we start with my questions? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, let's do this. All right. So my first question is, what does heritage mean to you? I'm kind of annoyed at myself because I literally wrote these questions. <laughs> and now it's hitting me back with that. Um, <laughs> actually, okay. So um, thought deeply about this more recently because obviously we are all at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like it just I didn't quite realize how much heritage has impacted me up until this point. So, you know, even like doing little things. So I took a walk this morning and I was just like, whoa, my Hanmani, my grandma, like mm-hmm. I don't think she could have ever envisioned like one of her grandkids moving twice in the world mm-hmm. and living in like a modern Western country and that country being worse off than Asia at the minute due to COVID. It's just these little, little things that I just couldn't have like imagined. But um, I think when, when we, I mean, I think this is also part of like growing up, but when we were growing up, it was like, as we mentioned earlier, we were in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, so my grandmother, as I mentioned, like she was like hustling and surviving like in Korea. And then my parents um, were hustling as as immigrants like in the U.S. Um, and yeah, like they they certainly like experienced uh, racism and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the luxury. And I say luxury like very sensitively to really sit down and reflect reflect on it and they mm-hmm. didn't have the luxury to really celebrate their culture or traditions and mm-hmm. also there was no language like microaggressions didn't exist like that's such a beautiful mm-hmm. adventure now mm-hmm. I mean it's not good that we have microaggressions but at least we can <laughs> label it obviously yeah, yeah. Um, but now we have the language we have like more time and the care to think about these things so um I can't quite put into words, but um, I've just reached a point where I'm like extremely proud of like both parts of my heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it took me a really, really long time to get here. And ironically, I'm not surrounded by anyone from my immediate culture at all. But that has mm-hmm. made me like proud I don't know how that makes any sense but Mm -hmm. yeah 
I mean, that that's how I think it's really complicated and extremely layered. But yeah, my general answer is like, I do think about it like more and more like every day. But yeah, like, what about you, though? Yeah, well, I, like, I mean, listen to you, it made me think also about how like, when you're in a new country, like you become more aware of like, your roots and your differences. Like, I think that I really became more aware of being American when I moved to Canada. Uh, so that, like, before I moved to Canada, I felt like being Taiwanese and my Taiwanese side, like, that was kind of, like, the different part. But then when I moved to Canada, I realized that being American is also kind of different. And I think, I mean, you you had a, you had similar experiences, too, right? Where, like, you moved to the UK, right? So do you feel like living in the UK, you feel that you're more aware of your American identity? And then like, do you think, so now it's like kind of become like more dual layer, like you feel like more American, whereas before you felt more Korean? Because I, I mean, that was kind of like the progression for me. So I was wondering if maybe it was kind of the same for you or or not. Hmm. So I think... If I had moved to one of the bigger cities like London or, you know, even Edinburgh and Scotland, I would have had a very different answer because mm-hmm. uh, where I live and work in the country is, by comparison, relatively less diverse. So even mm-hmm. being even being American is like, whoa, what? Which is just mm-hmm. so, so weird to me because, you know, when we were growing up in, in the East Coast, um, you know, British accents were quote unquote sexy and hot. Mm-hmm. And to come to a country where suddenly American accents are perceived as like like attractive like or exotic. like exotic. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what is happening right now? Um I think if anything, so I became more conscious of my American identity, but I became more proud of my Korean identity. Mm-hmm. Um I I really can't put into words like how that happened, but I think may- maybe it, it was just the circumstances. Like there was such a lack of, and again, this is just my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just the lack of knowledge of, of um the friends I was meeting and the people I you know in general I was meeting. Um, they didn't know much about Korea, and they would ask make comments like, "Oh, is it safe there?" It's like yes well why are you even I like why would I ask you is the UK safe no because Mm -hmm. we're socially conditioned to believe xyz anyway that's like another topic but um I think it just forced me to like reconcile these parts of myself and become more comfortable Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I don't know if that even answered the question (laughs) I don't know that's really hard I feel like I'm still working through it I think you are too right yeah yeah I guess like before I kind of felt like I had to choose and now I feel like I don't have to choose. They're just different parts of me. And like, sometimes I like will identify more with one side over another side, but it doesn't mean that either of those sides are any less me. They're all me. It's just, you know, I don't know. I guess before I felt like I had, I had like this obligation to pick one, but now it's like, Oh, okay. I don't need to pick one. I can just, Mm -hmm think about them as all part of me actually you know what occurs to me as you said that I think um again this like plays into heritage and I've been thinking about more of like my 
like my my ancestors yeah, <laughs> and, my, yeah. and my family but this is what I was saying earlier like you know my my grandmother would have been like whoa you have the potential to be a U.S. and U.K. citizen like that that just wasn't even a possibility and now mm-hmm. I'm sitting here like under a mattress talking to you about not mattress are under a blanket again because I don't have a studio um and we're discussing like dual identities like oh can we accept both like what is it like that's just such um like a very privileged conversation to be having like I think I think it really is amazing and I know on the negative side it's like the worst because we're talking about oh will society accept us like where do we belong and that's that's a very real conversation but from the heritage perspective like, isn't it really amazing that, like, we're able to come down, like, even two generations down and have these conversations? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, these conversations are probably just going to get even more and more common. Yeah, because, definitely. Like, people travel. Well, maybe with COVID, people won't be traveling more. Maybe <laughs> well, they won't become well, more common. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, I suppose. <laughs> yeah to be continued (laughs) to be continued but I mean I do think that there are more like you know makes people more people expats or immigrants or you know whatever in the world like now than there used to be definitely and the world is becoming more and more accessible so these kinds of conversations are just going to become more complicated (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so how do you think that your parents' decision to immigrate to the U.S. affected your life and how you see the world? Like, I don't know, I guess, like, in your identity, but also, like, do you feel like you have, like, obligations to them because they they immigrated to the U.S., like, you know, to kind of create a better life for you? Like, how do you think that's kind of affected your, your worldview and your identity as well? Um, well, I think what's really interesting about my parents is that my, my dad had a mentor and this was like, oh my God, I don't even like, no, like 60s, 70s Korea. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, now Korea, China, Japan, like those East Asian countries specifically, they like, well, who knows what it'll be like this year, but, um, they used to chuck out like thousands of international students abroad mm-hmm. um you know but back then if it's very unusual to study abroad you had to be like a genius or like uber wealthy so my dad's mentor was like hey you want to do your phd right why don't you just go abroad it doesn't you know you'll figure out your finance you just go abroad and um my dad took that leap of faith and mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know i think my my parents were like you know we will make it work mm-hmm. um and my mom had like a great stable school job as well. But I, as I'm sure you know, they could have mm-hmm. gone to California because that was where a lot of, well, is still like home to a lot of Asian communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but we settled in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, number one, if I didn't go to Boston, we wouldn't have met. And that would have been really sad, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think let's say if I grew up in California I would have been really different like maybe my Korean would have been even better I I don't know I don't want to assume but who knows but 
the East Coast is a very privileged and open place, but it's also like very hostile in certain pockets. Like I can't really mm-hmm. explain it, but you know, the fact that they moved us to the East Coast was um well, we received a great education, but because we weren't surrounded by like many Asian um well, many Korean people, let alone Asian people at first, um, it just like forced us to learn English really fast and assimilate. Um, I I don't feel like, I mean, like, obviously, like, Han and I, like, we don't feel like we, like, owe them anything per se. I know, in in general, like, I hate it when, how do I articulate this? I hate it when, like, um, people kind of assume, like, oh, like, you're Asian, so you need to do XYZ for your parents, right? Like, I know Mm -hmm. Confucius set up this uh, rigorous filial piety uh, limitation on East Asian societies but I mean they're my parents so obviously I want to um, care for them you know I mm-hmm. am very close with them I, I feel like that's fairly obvious but they were never like oh you need to do this for us like you need to do this when you grow up it was very um, like you know loving and open and I think that's why, like, I, I get very rigid when I hear assumptions about Asian families being very mm. rigid. <laughs> um, but I think another thing, I don't even know if this is answering your question, but um, I think, yeah, obviously, like, moving to the East Coast had a factor and them being, mm-hmm. like, very loving and open had a factor. But because they moved, that's why I felt more like, oh, I need to keep moving and I need to acquire more perspective so that I can just figure mm-hmm. myself out and that that's why mm-hmm. like I was able to have that um but oh, that's nice is to see like similar stories like popping up mm-hmm. um like oh like I wasn't the only one who went through that like other mm-hmm. people did too mm-hmm. cool 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 um but yeah, and I, I I think it is, like, really... I am, like, really grateful I grew up on the East Coast and really grateful that, like, my parents, like, prioritized, like, mental health. And I think I wrote this as a reflection a while, mm-hmm. like, years ago when we were thinking of doing our own... Um, what was it? Like, a zine? I don't know yeah. if you remember. But <laughs> yeah. they, like, really prioritized mental health and well-being and they were very, like, no, you need to be happy, um, mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful for. But... Um, I almost went off on a tangent about the zine, but like <laughs> I, won't, I won't get I won't get into that. But um, it, we'll talk it's about just, that another time. <laughs> yeah, like that's another thing. But I I think it's it is just like really reassuring to you know like when when you're thinking about something like as it happens, mm-hmm. but you don't have confirmation validation from other people. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but it, it's all but then years later you get it. So like years later I'm like oh so that was racism. Oh, so that food was not like I don't know. Those are just yeah. so examples, but it's all like coming to light now. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I felt like that a lot, especially with because like I have had some struggles with like depressive episodes and stuff like that, and I think that like I don't know, it has been good to like share those types of feelings with other people and realize like oh, other people have those types of feelings too. It's not just me. 
yeah. I don't know. There was kind of this feeling of like, am is there something wrong with me? Or you know, yeah, or like, is this something that I need to be worried about? Or is this very common? So I mean, I still don't, I guess, entirely know. I like I I don't really have like a diagnosis or anything. So it's not like I really know like what's going on in my head or whatever. But it is just nice to like talk to other people and kind of feel like, oh, they have like similar like thoughts or or like I don't know, I'm also like you know that I'm really, really bad at responding to messages. It's just like <laughs> one of my things. But like I realize that like I don't know, I've talked to some other friends that also do that. And they're talking about how sometimes it can be hard. Like it, they kind of use it as like a coping mechanism sometimes. Like they don't want to deal with like real life sometimes or stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, oh, I can really like relate to that. So, you know, it was just nice to like hear that there are other people that have those same types of like yeah. feelings or shortcomings or experiences. It's like, okay, like I know this is something I need to work on. <laughs> I need to get better <laughs> responding to messages. But at least like, you know, hearing someone else talk about it and they yeah. also have like their own kind of reasons for it. It felt like oh okay maybe that's also why I do that (laughs) yeah like like, I can understand a little bit better like it's not just me being like weird out here on my own (laughs) (laughs) well okay number one for the record you're like well I I had like a few friends who were slower to respond so you are not the only one and second okay good I'm not the worst no no you're oh my gosh no but you are like You'd always chime in when I absolutely needed you. So, like, when... So, for example, you know when I bought those tickets to visit you in Taiwan? um, You didn't respond for a few weeks. But then I was like, ah, can you confirm that I can come stay with you? And then you responded. You were like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So, I was like, oh, phew, okay. And third, you were, like, loads better. So... um, It's it's a slow process, but I'm trying to get better slowly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're... Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you, sorry, I just, it just occurred to me, speaking of having confirmation, all that, do you ever Mm -hmm. look back on your time in Boston and slash living in the U.S. and think like, how did I live in the U.S.? Because I think through that every day, like living away (laughs) from the U.S., it's like, the taxes are confusing. It like seems really dangerous. Like, how did we live there? (laughs) Do you ever think that? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I haven't really gone back that much like since I left like Mm. every once in a while but like the I don't know the longest I went back was like for a summer and it it's a it did feel strange to go back there but I don't yeah I I guess yeah I don't know partially like my worldview has changed and stuff but I also feel like I have become like more sensitive to a lot of things that I didn't really care about when I was younger Mm. if that makes sense I don't know I feel like I'm more sensitive about my identity now and like especially like you know being in East Asia because people are always like where are you from where are you from where are you from all the time (laughs) yeah Yeah, which is fine I mean I'm also like that but you know I feel like you do get really like sensitive about like like oh I'm like I'm different or this is my identity you know you become really aware of it so when I went back to the U.S. I felt like all the time I'm like oh you know, like people see me as different. I'm Asian. And I was like, you know, when I was younger, I don't think I really thought of it that much. You know, like I, I was aware of it. And I did feel like I was different in some ways, but at the same time, I really, really did just feel like I was American. So I didn't really question it that much. It was just kind of like, oh, but I'm American. You know, mm-hmm. whereas now it's like I, I feel like a foreigner. <laughs> you know, when I go back, mm-hmm. so it's strange. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know what you mean. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. So we were talking about family. Uh, so right. how do you feel about living so far away from your family? Is it difficult to be disconnected from your family? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I think I really wonder how I would have answered. And for you too, actually, how we would have answered these questions if we were like younger or maybe even like five years. But mm. as of now, I am assuming it is also because we're a bit older. But um, so I started... When I, like, moved to the UK, which was, like, a few years ago, I started, like, talking to my parents pretty much, like, every day. Um, mm. And I, I I don't know. Like, I just – I've always been close to, to, like, my family. But it was particularly, like, my – so my grandmother passed away two years ago. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Yeah, 2018. And then my uncle passed away last year ironically at like this around the same time which is a bit eerie but I think mm-hmm. those chain of events really just made me think like well I have the means and time to talk to my family and friends I might as well do it as much as I can um but mm-hmm. I find it incredibly difficult now like I I love my life and I love the opportunities I've been getting but I would really like to live with my family in the same country again someday. I'm not even asking for the same town or state at this point. Just the, the same country would be great. But it's it's like really, really. I mean, I it I can do it. Like it's not unbearable. But mm-hmm. I'm just appreciating like how amazing my family are, and um, you know, not being able to celebrate even like the most mundane like events and obviously with COVID like I I'm probably not going to see my I haven't seen them for over a year I don't know when I'm going to see them next um Mm -hmm. but you know so with my grandmother passing away that was really I've told you this before but I'm just gonna say it again (laughs) that was really weird because again she is like like an amazing like she's gone through so much like she's you know like raised like my my mom and like my aunts and uncles like as a single parent like she evaded being um you know taken as a comfort woman you know like Mm -hmm. like she like hustled also like just Mm -hmm. amazing stuff like I it's just like a rap sheet but um obviously you know your grandparents are old you know that day is going to come Mm-hmm. Um, but when I received the, cause my, my parents texted me cause I was asleep and seeing that mm-hmm. at work is, I think what, what the saddest thing was that like, it didn't hate me that she had passed away because mm-hmm. we're used to being far away. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, right. And in Korea, funerals are triggered right away. Triggered mm-hmm. is that where they start right away. <laughs> so even if we flew out we still would have like missed it and that just to say the least that just sucked it was like it was horrible um and then um you know we we went to korea and um but it it still felt so real and honestly even now it still doesn't feel real because it's it's still like because we're used to being far away and Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i thought of was um my last conversation with her because i used to I started phoning her but Mm -hmm. I had like the flu and my 
because her hearing was really bad so I had to like yell into the phone and you can only do that at your house let's be real like you don't want a weirdo just shouting in Korean and I didn't have the energy so I was like you know what I'm just I'll just call her like later and I, I just never did and that I think that's why from that moment I'm like oh no I have the time I have the energy and means I just got to do it but yeah so long long answer summarize it you know it's hard but yeah like what about you what do you think yeah yeah I mean I also yeah I also feel like it's very difficult I mean like I've always been very close uh, with my mom especially so like even when I moved out like I always talked to her like once a week for about an hour so we'd always like talk about things and check in Um, and like I didn't talk to my dad as often I actually like I'm talking to him more now that you know COVID has said and everything like we talk like uh we talk like once to twice a week now which we used to talk like once a month or once every other month (laughs) so that has been it has been interesting like it I mean one kind of weird but also good thing about COVID is it felt like because everyone is because everybody knows that everybody's on lockdown they like make more of an effort to reach out and to set up times mm-hmm. to check in yeah whereas like before like I don't know like my life hasn't really changed that much in terms of like going out versus <laughs> I don't really like going out anyway but you know like now because everyone else like knows that everyone's in lockdown and quarantine like they like they've like okay well let's set this time to like talk every week so we actually like check in more than we used to um so that's kind of interesting like I don't know just it is nice to like you know reach out and just check in more um and then also with uh because my grandfather also passed away as you know like um just I don't know not sure about the exactly like a a month ago ish now I guess so yeah, and it also felt very strange, like, that I wasn't able to be there, and I was also very sad about it. You know, it, it does feel strange during this time, like, that it's just not easy to, like, see people reach out yeah. to people and stuff. But, no, no, there's also, like, I don't know, I guess so there's this feeling of, like, you do want to stay connected, and you want to, you know, make sure that you take the time to talk to people. But then there was, like, this... um there was this show that I was watching. It was like one of those like competitive, like trying to debut as an idol shows. I think it's, uh, pro- I don't know, one of the produce shows, like one of the Korean produce shows. And like <laughs> yeah. when the trainees were like really upset and yeah. they were like having a hard time, like they called their parents Aww. and they were talking to their parents. And I don't know. I just, it felt so weird to me because it felt like, I don't know, like, I never had thought about, like, calling my parents when I have a tough time like that, you know? I don't know. It's just, I maybe it's because, like, we kind of live alone, and I feel like I want to be able to, like, I mean, I talk through things with my parents. It's not like I hid anything from my mom or anything, but it's just, like, when I'm really upset about something, I wouldn't want to call her and make her feel sad, like, knowing that I'm so far away, you know? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, yeah. so it was just, yeah, like such a like so it was weird watching that tv show and like seeing like all these like and I was like all these kids like calling their parents and they're having some time it just felt like like did they do this because they're like younger or is this just like difference of culture or something I don't know it's just I like it feels like when I have a tough time first I want to like tackle it 
on my own and then like you know and and then like when I'm like less upset then I'll talk about it like with other people and try to figure it out but like when I'm like at like peak upsetness yeah. like crying or something like, that, like I don't want to talk about it I don't know actually I think we I vaguely remember us talking about this but like yeah, I think maybe I did bring it up one time we were talking before but it just it yeah. made me think about it again because we we're talking about like you know the family being far away <laughs> no but that's valid because like I think we mentioned um you know if we were upset like we just rather like distract ourselves with a Netflix show or something but mm-hmm. I think because due to and I uh I, I guess like what my grandmother and my uncle's death slash COVID has made me realize is that I'm really about like no regret. just if you want to say something just say it so you know if mm-hmm. I'm really upset I'll, I'll say something like I'm upset and I'm not okay but it will be okay like I'll just like tell my parents that and mm-hmm. I I know like I don't know I mean I guess like we still have being far away like we don't want to like share a hundred percent because we don't want them to worry but I'll now I'm like saying more like 99 percent um but I, yeah mm-hmm. I know what you mean it's yeah I, I think mean it's, like it's not like I hide anything or anything I guess it's just yeah. like and I you know, it's partially probably the time difference too. You know, like usually. Oh you know, like, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's harder yeah. to have like spontaneous calls. I guess when I was in, like, when I was in college and I was still in Canada, I think I would maybe call a little bit more spontaneously. Whereas, like, when I got older and there's a huge time difference, it's not as easy to call spontaneously, too. So that's probably another factor, too. Or you just get over it by the time, like, they wake up. You're like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe it's just I'm not as, like, like upset about things as long (laughs) or something. Or, or, you know, it's not as, like, intensely upset about something as long. Like, you're upset about something and it's, like, an hour later. It's like, okay, you know, like, let's deal with this now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad quality to have, though, to not mull over things. For Maybe long. we've just become older and more wise. I don't know. <laughs> I I think so, though. Like, you know, more I would experience. like to think so, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, you know what? Sorry, I keep adding to this. I legit found a white hair in the front part of my head, and I wasn't mad about it. It was like, well, it's going to happen someday. It's fine. Yeah, I've got so many white hairs. I'm blaming it on COVID. <laughs> oh, it probably is COVID. Like, 90%. Yeah. <laughs> okay so speaking about covid so recently (laughs) you wrote an article about the challenges of east asian racism during covid can you tell us about the process you went through while writing it (laughs) right right so you oh you know what's funny i obviously shared it with my parents and they're like oh have you like named a list of friends like that i shared they were like oh did you share it with blah 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 blah." and i was like yeah one of them was you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she read my draft, obviously. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, okay. Number one, it's funny because when we were chatting um, mm-hmm. for your episode, we were literally talking about how East Asian people, particularly, well, like women of color in general, I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, are kind of conditioned to be like silent and it's like really nerve wracking to be put on the spot. But then we concluded by saying, but no, we need to showcase our voices, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I really didn't realize to the extent of how conditioned I was because for mm-hmm. introspectives, um, 
it, it is our platform. Like we want to uplift voices, but it's supposed to be cathartic for us. Like it is our space. So I don't feel as mm-hmm. nervous. And your mm-hmm. approach, which I realize your approach is like um, educating people like through art, and you have like a clear, a gradual approach. I think if if, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, if I'm not overstepping, but. I think for yeah. me, I didn't realize, like, I was very much like, I may never get this chance again, so I might as well go all in. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you definitely, you and Sarah definitely softened my approach a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, um, through, like, the program I was a part of at Running Me, they were like, oh, we're looking for blog posts. So I thought, okay, it's an opportunity. I need to just mm-hmm. suck it up and just do it. But then Black Lives Matter came to the forefront and mm-hmm. I thought, and we discussed this as well. I thought like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, my voice isn't important right now. I'd just rather be an ally. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like one of the editors was like, no, you, you should say something. And I also came to realize like, oh, actually being silent is a choice. And I know you asked me what you should do. Well, no, you didn't ask me, but you contemplated at the time, like what you should do about being vocal about Black Lives Matter on your Instagram. And at the mm-hmm. time, I respond... Well, I meant to respond like, oh, prioritize your mental health and well-being. But in retrospect, I'm really glad that you didn't listen to that and you were vocal because that was really important. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, as I was writing it, I just kept getting so freaking nervous. Because mm-hmm. I didn't really... We're so used to not being heard. And then when we are being heard hyper visible but then i mm-hmm. just i i just don't want to be especially in the uk like the uk personally i think has a long way to go like it's even more behind in the u.s in a lot of ways in my experience mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i felt like i was being hyper visible i feel i felt like you know i don't want to be just reduced to my skin and gender mm-hmm. i don't want to be a representation of this i just show and when i was sending the article to people i didn't want to be like oh my god look at my article because it's not a product of my intelligence it's my lived experience i didn't want mm-hmm. to write it in the first place but here we are because we're in racist 2020 um mm-hmm. and the, the fact is like east asian representation doesn't really exist here so it felt really weird mm-hmm. to write that mm-hmm. um so it's it just like really weird like you still have that welcome space to write your voice but then you become really really nervous and a lot of a lot of east a- i'm only speaking as an east asian woman right now are mm-hmm. still like choosing to be sullen and nervous and what i, I had a few conversations with um, my east asian female friends living in the u.s and they were like Oh, but, you know, it's it's not really a big deal what we go through, though. You know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. we're not getting killed. It's, it's, it's fine. And I thought, this is a problem right now. This is what makes us complacent and complicit. Because white society has labeled us as, like, the model minority. So we think, oh, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's not our fight. Let's just stand back. And th- mm-hmm. this is what needs to change in order for us to... I'm not, I'm not trying to be cliche here. But, like, literally, mm-hmm. like... We need to change and not be complicit and complacent to make this actually uh, make a difference this time because movements have happened before. And because I've seen white people do the work, but Mm -hmm. it's just certain pockets of people of color, like East Asian women who are so used to being silent, who are so used to thinking like, oh, but, you know, whatever. What's the worst thing that's happened to me? Oh, like white men have fetishized us. It's fine. It's not Mm -hmm. fine. They're Mm microaggressions. 
So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, for a really long time. <laughs> no, I mean, I and I agree with, you know, everything you're saying as well. Like, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, from my experience as being, like, um, you know, mixed East Asian, it's like, you know, partially I feel like it's hard to speak up because I feel like my experiences are not as, difficult or traumatizing as some other people of color's experiences would be and then at the same time because I'm mixed it feels like do I even have a voice to speak up for the East Asian community like because I'm also mixed so you know like can I really represent them as well so there's kind of this feeling of like can I represent people properly and then also like you know the issues that we're speaking up about like even though they're important like definitely you know, when you compare it to being murdered by police and yeah. stuff, it doesn't seem as, you know, as, like, um, urgent to talk about. So there's kind of a lack of urgency as well. And then maybe there's also a feeling of, like, you don't really want to, like, upset the status quo too much or make yourself a target. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? So I think it's kind of, like, all these different, like, you know, different feelings kind of overlapping that makes it difficult um, to really like, or maybe, or maybe hesitant to speak up. And then, you know, on top of that, like you were saying, I feel like my, my approach when I try to talk to people is that I want to be more like, more welcoming and like softer in my approach so that, you know, because I guess partially because I don't want to be labeled as like, you know, being unreasonable, but also I want them to listen to me and I feel like I'm afraid that if I'm too like um too divisive from the beginning then yeah. they're gonna they're not gonna listen to me so I also want to to try to show them why they should listen to me like <laughs> oh you know like like look my these are my feelings you know like and, and everybody has different perspectives as well so it's like when I'm presenting something like when I was talking about you know Taiwan and China it's really nervous writing those comics because I felt like I don't know if I can really uh, represent Taiwanese people because like, you know, I mixed and also my family is not really like maybe a classic Taiwanese family. I don't know. We're, we've like moved around a lot. So, you know, we never really grew up like doing Taiwanese traditions or something. So I don't feel like a super strong connection in terms of like a traditional Taiwanese heritage kind of background, you know, so like oh can, do I really represent the majority of Taiwan and then you know also like will people just disregard what I say you know so I don't know I, I did really try to think about like what is the best way that I could communicate it to let people know what my opinions and perspective are without like them feeling like I'm trying to be too like you know controversial or too like inflammatory or something like that you know like I feel like a lot of these discussions kind of just like turn into like Taiwan versus China so like China is the enemy and China is evil which like don't really think is a very productive conversation to have you know yeah. because I feel like the things that have happened in Taiwan are like you know like the period of white terror and mm -hmm. a lot of the atrocities that happened under Kuomintang like those are kind of like the fault of the Kuomintang, but those that party is like now part of Taiwan. So I don't really think it's like makes sense to label it as like China, you know, or to like be angry yeah. about those things because it's like, well, 
actually China is not really responsible for that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, people who came from China that are not Taiwanese, which are like the majority of people in Taiwan. So it's like, you know, just saying like, oh, China is evil. I think it doesn't really help. I mean, like, of course, there's still a problem with like China threatening Taiwan with military force at this point. But, right. you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. So I was just <laughs> like kind of getting off on a tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're you're right. I think, um, well, number one, I'm really proud of you for what what you've done to like shed some more knowledge and for your artwork. Mm-hmm. I disagree when you said like, oh no, maybe people won't like take this seriously or you know whatever. I mean, your writing from like what you want writing, what am I saying? You're producing mm-hmm. content that you care about and you know mm-hmm. what what you know. Um, mm-hmm. and I think what something that bothers me and I, I can't believe I have to like say this, but like I'm not against white people, but. We mm-hmm. can't deny the fact that the people who hold power in society, you know, who have the success gap, the equality gap, are white people. And mm-hmm. when we talk about white creators, you know, we would never be like, oh, his, her, their approach is like bad mm-hmm. or whatever. We just say, oh, they, they, you know, talked about X, Y, Z. But then it, mm-hmm. it's like, like people of color, I think, are just more critiqued. And this is what I was saying. You instantly become a representation of a certain mm-hmm. subset that you choose to share. So I can definitely mm-hmm. understand why you're nervous because you're like, oh no, I'm representing Taiwan and China now. Like, am I qualified mm-hmm. to do this? Whereas white people would just be like, yep, so uh, I wrote this. <laughs> and that's it. And that's not yeah. fair. But yeah. then again, I really believe in controlling our narrative and content. So I personally don't... I, I, and this is like, I don't know how much you know about the whole like, oh, I just lost it. Oh my gosh. Um... The, the cooking, the cooking chat. Oh, of- um, the Bon Appetit. <gasps> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, so if- sad. I used to watch the videos so much. And Me, too. Like, oh, Me too. Now I feel really bad. I don't want to watch the videos anymore. Oh, I've, I've stopped, which is a shame. For people listening to this who live under a rock, do your research. We, we can't explain <laughs> it for you. Um, but basically, I... It's, it's I'm kind of like comparing. I think it's comparable to experiences because on the as a principle, is it great that other people food is meant to be shared? Other people are cooking Korean food, Taiwanese food, Chinese cuisine, mm-hmm. like whatever. Excellent. But do I think a Korean chef should be paid for Korean food and weaken the primary revenue? Yeah, because I don't want mm-hmm. white people to just like add mustard and call it Korean fusion. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's why I think controlling our content is really important but that's oh my gosh that's like a whole different different topic Um, if I could add one thing that you said though is um, because you said I I know being mixed race is its own thing and you know Mm -hmm. I don't understand it fully but Mm -hmm. made me very conscious I don't know if you read the article Um, it was written by oh gosh Tammy Kim I think her name is it was about the perils of um, you know people of color Mm. Um, and you know it wasn't until I got here that I thought oh I'm a person of color I'm Bane and the only reason why I'm identifying as a BIPOC or person of color is to show solidarity with our other communities so I think it's really messed up that it's always um, Bane versus white in the UK or person of color versus white communities that's really messed up but Mm -hmm. as of now 
I mean, as of now, I think Asian people just need to accept that we are a part of these communities and we're not like in the middle. We're not in like some sort of white adjacent place. No, we, we need to do the work with other communities of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to add. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's really true, you know. It, I think it is hard because it's like we feel like we don't want to like, I mean, obviously, because, you know, in a lot of ways, I think as Asians, we are in more of a privileged position than yeah. maybe other people of color. So it's like, you don't want to talk over their experiences, obviously. Right, right. So in that respect, you know, you do kind of take more of an ally slash you know what a white ally would you know maybe (laughs) take as a role you know so in some respects I think you know we do have to hold back so there is this kind of thought about like when when is it Mm. our time to try to like speak for someone and to try well not speak for someone but try to to like amplify voices like how can we do that you know yeah I don't yeah it's it's definitely like an ongoing question an ongoing struggle you know and like for example there's a lot of talk now because I since I do art like there's a lot of people that are trying to uplift black creators now which I think is really great you know but and I would like to do it as well but actually I don't know like which creators I follow are black (laughs) (laughs) like I never really like thought about it before you know I don't know and maybe maybe I don't even really follow that many black creators I mean now that I'm trying to think about it I'm like oh actually I think a lot of them are either white or Asian because it's like I'm more likely to connect with them because you know they have similar experiences to me yeah because I'm white and Asian but <laughs> you know but so, so then like recently I was thinking about like oh I wanted to like share black creators on my platform and stuff and then I was like do I follow any black creators and what creators do I follow are black and then you know and then the some of the black creators that I follow actually have a much bigger platform than me so it felt like <laughs> well I don't know if I should be like Yay, uplifting this black creator who has a much bigger platform than me. Isn't it kind of strange? I don't know. So it just, it was kind of weird, like thinking about, like, oh, yeah, like, even though I would like to do this, it's like when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like these weird things that I hadn't really thought about before that are like also connected to that. <laughs> Well, could you could you be like, oh, I really love this, this creator? Could you phrase it like that? Or is that still like a bit weird? No, I mean, I, I guess I could. It's just, I guess it felt kind of like, oh, I should be like, you know, uplifting smaller black creators. But oh yeah, yeah, that's, like, that's true. you know. But I mean, I don't even really spend that much time on Instagram that much anymore. Anyway, I just go on and then post something. <laughs> so oh, so that's another thing. Like, I don't even see what people are posting half the time either. So I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it is a lot of information know. being being posted, and I think we're going through information fatigue. Um, because because mm-hmm. I think one like if you don't know it, people are like why, bro? Everything's available. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm trying to like like stay detached from it, but but then again, I feel like I'm missing crucial crucial events. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know. Yeah, just so like in some ways, you feel like you have to be like more connected. Like if I was more connected with the platform and the community, then I would know who I was following that's black yeah. so that I would be able to like uplift them and like you know share their stuff really easily but it's like I'm not even sure so I don't know but then it's like hard to keep connected so connected all the time when there's like so much going on and so much to do yeah definitely so. I think it's just important to um oh sorry did I cut you off oh no 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 continue 
um, I mean, I I know we we talked about this, but obviously, like, and we talked about this with Sarah and Serena. Like, we we do what we can. Mm-hmm. Like, we check in. Um, but I think it's like extremely important to just like keep this movement going. I really mm-hmm. don't. I mean, I'm sorry, but 2020, like COVID, political crises, like ongoing. Like, I really want it to be worth it. Like, we need to make it worth it. So. Um, you know, we're doing little bits and pieces, like you're, you're doing your art content. We're having these conversations. Um, mm-hmm. we're trying to uplift black writers. Actually, that was another thing. Cause I, I mean, I do have like books written by black authors, but mm-hmm. it occurred to me, like, I, I actually, I don't even know if this is valid. Like, I know one of my friends was like, it's not tokenistic if the intention is good. So mm-hmm. our intention is to uplift black voices. So, you know, so far we've like featured black um, authors on, on Instagram, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, when does it get tokenistic? And I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it is a, it is a problem, but I think, you know, mostly like when I've seen um, like companies featuring, like <laughs> all of a sudden, like there are more black and Asian and Latinx people on there. I'm like, Wow, it took you uh, until now to to do this, huh? Mm-hmm, hmm. Are you mm-hmm. just doing this for the positive image, or do you actually care? And are you going to actually do something about it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think also, like, I mean, like for example, the fact that like you know, I don't really know who I follow is black or not. It's like it's also like, do they like uplifting people that only produce like a certain type of content? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like what if? they produce content but it doesn't necessarily have to do with them being black you know they're just yeah drawing they're just doing whatever they want you know like so it's like you know and I, I think that's fine I mean you don't always have to produce content that's about like you know your race or your you know experiences like with your race or something like that you know you can just do what you want so right. it's like you know like for example like uplifting stories that are about like very specific black experiences versus just stories that are just written by black people you know I don't know if I'm really making sense or not but I just no no no, it makes sense you know of course like there's kind of this other layer of like well but then is that also putting pressure on people of color to produce material that is fitting this kind of definition of a person of color's experience rather than just telling about their experiences and them as people without necessarily specifically like you know thinking about that aspect of them you know it's just like thinking like is that reducing them down to just their one quality of like that they're black or that they're asian or something rather than just letting them create material as themselves let them be um no that's an excellent (laughs) point this is what i was saying earlier i think i think as as um uh asian or latinx or black or you know just people of color you should be allowed to do whatever you want like we don't we mm-hmm. are not responsible for it, uh race and equality issues but mm-hmm. what really but another thing that forces us into it is because so for i'll go back to my north korea example um and mm-hmm. for the record if you are in south korea you don't feel unsafe. And I don't like calling it North and South Korea because, you know, it was calling... That's that's a separate topic. Um, So I just call it Korea. But anyway, so Mm -hmm. normally I would say, do your research. But the thing is, the research out there is controlled and created by white voices who don't have that perspective. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of forced to 
create this content. I mean, I've like read a few like race books that were written by white people, which is great, but I can tell that they really took the care to um, like do the extra research that's needed to write something about a topic that is outside of their own race. But 99% of the time, you know, even if you look at recipes, it, it's kind of like, mm. it's the basics. Like if you want, um, no, that's not a good, if you, if you want um, authentic uh, Filipino cuisine and you look at the chef and they're white, instinctively you're like, okay, I'm not going to really die because food's food, but are you authentic though? Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think if my analogy makes sense in the same sense, like when I tell people who ask me about Korea or the U S or whatnot, I'm like, do your own research, but then makes me extremely nervous because the dominant research out there is not created authentically. So Mm -hmm. by that measure, then we're forced to like create and educate (laughs) about Mm -hmm. these resources. Mm -hmm. And it's freaking exhausting. Just let us Mm -hmm. write and do what we want. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that though? What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, it's, I think it's difficult because it's like, on the one hand, it's kind of like, I don't want to have to be forced to educate, you know, like, for example, like, educating about experiences, it can be quite exhausting. Like, even making the comics makes you so tired. Yeah. Even though it's like, the actual drawing time is not that long. I just, I feel so tired, like, trying to think of them and make them because they're so personal to me. So I feel like I put a lot of myself into them. So I don't know. So there's like a part of like, oh, like, you know, you shouldn't always rely on people of color to educate you about people of color issues. But at the same time, like if you want authentic voices, then it makes sense to go to people that are in the community to educate you about those issues. You know, and I think, I mean, I've been talking with my parents about this recently as well because of like with JK Rowling and the, you know, like you know, issues about the trans community and stuff like that. Like, you know, I think it's quite, you know, difficult and, you know, to just put the, like, the pre- put pressure on the trans community to always be educating people outside the community on their yeah. feelings, on their experiences, you know, and I think it can be quite traumatizing for them because they have to, like, relive all these maybe very, like, difficult triggering experiences. But at the same time, it's like, well, if, but if we want, authentic voices then it makes sense that we would go to that community to ask about them because obviously they know more about the community than someone on the outside and like especially in an issue that's like so personal and so important as this it's like I would want to listen to people who are from the trans community because I want to make sure that I have an accurate understanding and representation of it so I think it is a difficult line because it's like well you know like you shouldn't expect people to educate you and you know it can be quite burdensome on that on them and like we should like we should acknowledge that it's very difficult for them but at the same time like sometimes this those just are the most authentic voices and if we want to get a you know a very thorough and accurate learning it makes sense so I don't know it's just difficult and then but then also like when you talk to people in the community like obviously like people have different opinions so just because you talk to one person in the community that has a certain opinion doesn't mean that everybody also thinks that same way. So yeah. I don't yeah, know. I think I... it is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, very layered. Yeah, very layered. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should, I know. should we go on? I have 
have more questions, but I'm not sure how long we're supposed um, to be going. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess we, we touched on some of these a little bit already. Um, so I, one of my questions was like, how do you feel about white journalists writing about Korean culture? Do you think that they should be allowed to write about it? Or do you think it's wrong for them to make money writing about other cultures? Which I guess we kind of talked about. Oh, and yeah. then also related to that, like, I mean, now there's been a lot greater interest in South Korea, you know, especially because of like pop music, you know, movies like Parasite, Korean beauty products, dramas, etc. And like, how does that make you feel? Like, are you happy or do you feel like it's kind of like spreading a false perception? Or is it like, nice that they know more about South Korea versus like maybe when you're growing up and they didn't know as much about South Korea um well number one kind of a lot of questions later (laughs) (laughs) just talk about whatever you feel like (laughs) yeah I mean I don't have a clear-cut line on white journalists writing about Korea I think Mm -hmm. You know, so I wrote my dissertation on comfort women and military prostitution in Korea, and Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that my bibliography was relatively diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I couldn't help but feel that I had more credibility when I was citing from the farthest possible point from Korea, which, you know, in this case would be white male authors or white female authors, or Mm -hmm. authors, sorry, um, like academics. So in, in that sense, you know, especially if you're trying to diversify and do research, I think it's incredibly important to have different perspectives. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think this is a case where, like, you have intention and nuance. Um, is I mean, I won't go into this in, like, great depth, but we know that, like, in the past and even now, there are, like, multiple white authors who are basically like, oh, I know all about living in Korea, living in thailand because i was here for six weeks and Mm -hmm. this is how you should do it like no but then if we wrote like god forbid we write a book about living in belgium or france for six weeks and we are a person of color we'd be critiqued till the end of time so Mm -hmm. i think as a general rule it's not problematic because you know culture is meant to be shared and it's meant to be spread and you know we're very interactive species but ugh, I think intention definitely matters and I think in terms of that book you mentioned the Henya of Jeju I mean they are like badass mm-hmm. women how incredible and I think they they must have been like thrilled that <laughs> someone took interest in, in their life um, mm-hmm. that actually you know that book book I mentioned earlier uh, oh my god the life of Henrietta Lacks her I put this on our Instagram but like her DNA mm-hmm. was essentially taken by white doctors without her knowledge and mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. honestly fascinating but terrible uh, story but it wasn't until years later that a white PhD student stumbled across it and she said like I really want to do the work um, mm-hmm. And it's because of her delving into this that we have this story. So I don't think it's that's bad. It's just intention. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and just to quickly add to your, your second part. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think... I think as a general rule, I think it's really cool that we have a lot of intermixing of like different products and like stuff in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And in terms of K-dramas, there is an academic in my department. Because um, I was telling her, actually, you told me this, which made me think <laughs> of this, which I then yeah. told her. I said, <laughs> I enjoy watching K-dramas because I don't have to worry that like one tokenistic personal color is going to show up and have a really like bad script. It's all Korean mm-hmm. people. There's like a hot one, mm-hmm. a dumb mm-hmm. one, a silly one, you know, whatever. It's very free. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, I she makes a conscious effort to remember all of their names and to like remember all the phrases that she's like consuming this like consciously. And I just really mm-hmm. appreciated that. And from what she said, you know, when I watch K dramas, C T or uh, J dramas, I also try mm-hmm. to do that even though we're not used to doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in terms of Parasite, again, like, we have to be positive here. Like, I mean, that specific genre isn't, like, a cup of tea. But I, I you know, I think, like, it was cinematically, fantastically made. Um, mm-hmm. I think that really opened the door to people, <laughs> white people, being more open to subtitles, which is something mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's just be positive yeah. and say it was good, generally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there are still some, like, steps that move forward, oh. so... You know, definitely. Yeah. Oh, there was something I was gonna say. Was it about Paris? Oh, oh, I remember. Okay. That. Oh, okay. good. <laughs> um, it's because you were ta- we were talking about um, representations of Asian people in yeah. media, and recently, so recently, I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine with my parents, which, although I really love the show, there's like hardly any Asian people in it. <laughs> there's like one. And then um, we started watching uh, The Good Place recently. Mm. Um, Yeah, Manny Jacinto is so attractive. Oh, it's just, it was so funny. Like, I really enjoyed having, like, a character in the show that was, like, just so different. And it was, like, such a, like, you know, that, like, Asian gangster type of, like, character, you know? It was just, I feel like I hadn't seen a, a character like that in like media before so it was just like such a like fresh breath of air although it was kind of sad that he was supposed to be like Taiwanese and then he wasn't I was like no wait wait what he was supposed to be Taiwanese (laughs) well like the the guy because he's like not really well I don't want to give away too many spoilers but like you know like uh the the original guy that's supposed to be there is Taiwanese but then the guy that actually like um, like oh, comes to the good places. Right, like, you're right. I Filipino. forgot about that. Yeah, so the, the monk, like, right? Damn, like it just like <laughs> missed. Yeah. Like you could have had like a Taiwanese representation, <laughs> but so I'm like, I don't know. We haven't gotten very far, so I'm like still holding up hope that maybe like you know the, the Taiwanese guy will show up too. So, <laughs> but I mean, even so, it's just it's nice having like a different representation of like yeah, an, an Asian guy that's just kind of unusual and it's also like a character that I feel like I have seen like people kind of like that you know so Wait, do like, you oh, not think great. sorry do you not think yeah. he's attractive though like I think no I think he's cute yeah he's so can we okay quick I feel very I feel like I'm going to be like canceled for this but I'm just like I didn't really feel like I looked like anyone or that I had any role models or anything yeah. So, I mean, I didn't necessarily think I was, like, pretty or anything either. I don't know. <laughs> like, so, but, like, in terms of, like, what actors I liked, like, I don't know. I, like, I've liked 
white actors, Asian actors, black actors. So it's kind of all over the board. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like exclude anyone per se, but I it only just occurred to me now, like, oh crap! Mm-hmm. Throughout my life, I've always been told like the definition mm-hmm. of beauty ha- has been white, and also you had your journey with your hair. Um, I remember like you were in Taiwan. No, wait, I think. I convinced you to get a blog. So you're blogging about your study oh. abroad experiences in Japan. And I remember, like, you wrote about something, how, like, someone came up to you and was, like, like looked at your hair and was like, whoa, it's a miracle. Your hair is curly. Wow. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, like yeah, being funny. Asian and having curly hair is always so weird. Like, because when I was in high school, I had a bob. So I think that people thought I was I had, like, an ajuba hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like yeah and then later on like it did feel very because it was like very long and I mean it's still kind of long well it's still curly it's not as long anymore but it was very long and curly and it would always curl into ringlets so you know a lot of people kind of saw it as being very like doll-like I guess <laughs> so no, I don't know yeah very it's pretty. like there have been like different like yeah different connotations of that not only being Asian, but being Asian with curly hair, it kind of has different associations with it. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, crap. Sorry, I hit my mic. Um. Yeah, that's like a, <laughs> that's a new, t- actually, you know what? I was going to tell you this later, but have you seen Indian matchmaking? No, I haven't, but I've heard a lot of people okay. tell me about you it. Should, so. You should see it, but there's a, one of my favorite women on the show, her name's Nadia. Um. Mm-hmm. And so Hazel messaged me. She was like, you need to see India matchmaking. And then she said that, like, Nadia reminds her of you. So I was like, oh, oh interesting. Okay. So then yeah. I saw. Now I really have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch it. Um, actually, that's a, you as you'll see from there, that's a high compliment. But then I saw Nadia from the first scene. And I was like, oh, I can see where she, why she said that. Because. So I have a photo of you from our wedding and that's when you kind of had like blondish long hair and Nadia mm-hmm. also has that hair and it just mm-hmm. made me think now like you have like a lot of um looks over the years yeah I guess so no, mine's been the yeah. same dude so compared to me <laughs> like you yeah. you've had a that's, journey I mean because I I like bleached my hair and I like dyed it red for a while and that was kind of funny because that was like the first time I like really really dyed my hair yeah you know and like and then there were some people I knew that like had only thought of me as having red hair which was kind of so funny to me because it was like oh like oh my god (laughs) parents are vacuum cleaning (laughs) anyway um, I can't hear it (laughs) Uh, so anyway we should <laughs> oh yeah should wrap up <laughs> well thank you for talking with us today it was great hearing your opinions <laughs> I don't know <laughs>